0: You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is BaptistChurch.com. Well, amen. I want you to remain standing. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of James. Go past over in the Old and the New Testament. Go past Hebrews, and you'll come to this book, the book of James. And um, we're still in James chapter 1, and we are today looking at verse 26 and 27. James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Remember, this is a book that is written by James, the, and I know we're low today. We've got um, spring break this next week. Some of our people are out. But I want you to listen closely because I think God has something to say to you and I today. But this is written by the we would say the half brother of of Jesus. Jesus had uh, four brothers, we believe he had three sisters. James would have been the oldest next to Jesus. Jesus we know was from the birth An Immaculate birth by way of the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary. But James was not a believer, nor were many of his siblings. They were radically changed. James was one of them and became not only a believer after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that miracle changed his life. He sold out and he ultimately would give with his life. Uh, the Gospel that you and I have today, but in James chapter one, beginning at verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his what? let's say it again, on his what? On his tongue. He deceives himself, and his religion is what? It's worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory and honor, and we pray everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Two or three weeks ago, I was speaking to a counselor. In fact, I'd been asked to counsel this particular individual. And this counselor sitting in a public restaurant with a friend of mine who had brought him to me, uh, as we were talking, he he basically said this. He said, you know, just going to be honest with you, I, I don't really care much for preachers. Um, my my dad was a friend of a preacher in a very prominent church in the Metro Jackson area, and he would tell me things that, you know, would really upset me, cause me to lose uh, trust and credibility when it comes to preachers. And he looked at me in this restaurant, and he said, I hope I haven't offended you. I said, not at all. I said, I don't really like preachers either. Uh, I said, in fact, if, you'll, if you know me very well, I tend not to tell people that I'm a preacher. So I said, we have, a, we have something in common. And I said, what you're saying is that in ministry, in, preacher, in preachers preaching, what you're saying is that you don't put much credibility in us, do you? I said, in fact, you're saying that we've lost some integrity. I said, I agree. I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a contractor. I said, well, I figured when Jesus came, when God put on the flesh of man, he was trying to restore credibility to two areas, ministry and contracting, because he was a minister and he was a carpenter. And I said, oh, by the way, I said, my wife and I, I said, we'll probably be working till the day we die because we have no choice. But I said, I want you to know that a contractor took about $12,000 from my family and deceived us and was dishonest. I I said, it sounds like to me you've got an integrity problem too in your area, and you're doing the same thing that I'm trying to do. You're trying to restore that integrity that has been lost. And he smiled and said, you're right. You know, one of the big questions people often ask is, am I saved? You ever thought that? Am I I saved? Am I a Christian? Do I know for certain if I died that I would go to heaven? You know, that makes people uncomfortable. And let me tell you, a lot of people through the years have come back and they've said basically this. I thought I was saved, but um, I wasn't. Uh, people come back, they'll be rebaptized, or people have a theophany. They'll have a moment; they get saved. They truly get saved, and so that's a legitimate question, right? And you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I don't know for certain if anybody can know for certain if you're saved." You know what First John five thirteen says? John said, "The beloved, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life." So God wants you and I to know. Now, when James is ending this first chapter, what James is saying is, is there are some people that listen, look this way, they are religious, but they're not saved. They're not Christians. So just like ministry and contracting, the church has lost some credibility because we have people out there that claim to be Christian, but they're living a double life. Uh, uh, they are actually uh, affecting the integrity of the church. And so James is talking about that. And and he makes it real clear here. Now look what he says in verse 26. He says, if anyone considers himself religious, in other words, he he thinks he's a Christian, but he has difficulty reigning in controlling his what? His tongue, what does he say? If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he does what? He deceives himself, and his religion is what? It's worthless. You know, William Barclay said this. He said, the finest religion and liturgy, in other words, worship, can can never take the place of service and personal piety. In other words, what William Barclay was saying is that outwardly, you and I can look religious, we can dupe the world, they can think that we're Christian, that we're saved, but if you want to know what a man or woman's really like, you hang around them a little while, and you listen to the way they talk, and you'll find out a lot, because see the tongue says a lot, doesn't it? You know, I put this up on Facebook, but I, I thought it was true, and I, I put it up on Facebook that you and I, on the average, speak 18,000 words a day. 18,000 words a day. That, if you were to put it in a novel, a book, we write a 54-page book every day of our life. Hey, listen to this. You and I spend one-fifth of our life talking. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of words. I heard a man one time, he said, my wife can speak 160 words a minute with gusts up to 180. But you know, there's a lot to that. In fact, look at James chapter 3, verse 1. Watch what James says here because he's saying if you and I want to know whether we're really truly saved, first of all, we've got to look at, we've got to take a long, hard look at our tongue, how we talk. Now watch what he says here in chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now what he's saying here is, He's saying that the reality is, is that you and I, if we're not careful, we want to take a position of teaching. We want to use this tongue to do something good. But the reality is, if we can't control it, then we've got a real problem. That's what James was saying here. In fact, take a left and go over to Matthew, I think I'm right here, Matthew chapter 12. Go over to Matthew chapter 12, the gospel of Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35. Let me see if I'm right here because I've moved around a little bit, changed up the message. But in in Matthew 12, 34, uh, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Now watch this. Look what he says here. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you see it? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, verse 35, brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Now look again at verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you and I need to understand something. If we want to know whether we're truly saved or not, all we've got to do is to listen to how we talk. Listen to what comes out of our mouth. Because what comes out of our mouth is what's coming out of our heart. In fact, I put this down on my hand. I put down bridal tongue. I put that down Monday morning. I just wrote it in ink in my hand. Put bridle tongue, and a lot of times you use some ink, it'll stay with you a while, no matter how often you wash your hands. Because I wanted to remind myself that I needed to be careful in how I talk. You know, I looked at Sheila one day, and I said, wouldn't it be easy if we just kept a roll of duct tape strapped to us, just like some people have their keys? and every once in a while we're getting ready to say something or get involved in a conversation, or we're getting ready to do something with our tongue, we know is going to grieve God's Holy Spirit, and we just said, "Hold, wait a minute, and we pulled out a piece of duct tape and slapped it over our mouth. You see, what the Bible said is this, and what every Jew believed, they believed that a word was a force that when it was released, you couldn't take it back. You ever said something you wanted to take back? You ever said something in a moment, in a heated moment, in a moment when your, your tongue wasn't bridled by the Holy Spirit, you said something, you go, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Boy, that's going to come back to what? Haunt me. The Jew said this. They believed that every word that came out of the mouth was like energy that was being released, and you couldn't get it. It's like if you light a match. If you light a match, that light from that match travels at 186,000 miles a second, everybody listen, forever. The Jew thought just like you would light a match was the same with your words. You know, there have been some things that have been said to me, bad, hurtful, mean-spirited, that I've never forgotten. That have shaped my life. Now, let me tell you, there have also been good things, things that were encouraging to me. Things by authority figures, a teacher that believed in me, said something positive to me, that it forever changed my life. Listen, everybody, listen. You and I have the ability to take this and to go out and invest in the lives of people and encourage them positive, uplifting, and we may have a time tomorrow. Because already Washington Post and the story of what's happening in California could reciprocate across this country to every bank in America and let me remind you that that was is what initiated the 1929 crash. We don't live by fear we walk by faith and we talk by faith, right? You see, this is what James was saying. He's saying, you know, a lot of times we want to think, well, you know, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Well, just listen. What do you talk about? There was years ago, there was a pastor who had a gossip in the church and the gossip had just wreaked havoc, caused all kinds of problems for him as a minister because preachers can get to be in the bullseye of a gossip and one day this woman came she knocked on the door front door of the pastor's home and she said pastor she said I just want to tell you that I'm that I've gossiped I've said some things about you that were not true and I'm sorry and I want to apologize he said ma'am hang on just a minute he went he got a feather pillow it was a windy spring day. He got a, fe- a feather pillow and he went and he took a knife and he ripped it open. He came back and he walked out with that wind blowing. That woman was thinking, what in the world is he getting ready to do? And he took those feathers on that windy spring day and he and he just emptied that pillow of all those feathers and those fellows feathers just blew everywhere. And he looked at that woman with hurt and pain in his face and he said now ma'am you go out and try to gather up every feather in other words you may apologize you may confess but this is one thing once it is done it is done and this is what James is saying Pastor one time was preaching on on gossip and when he came to the invitation a woman came down, she looked at me and let me tell you something, it's not just women that can gossip. But a woman came down, looked at the pastor and said, he had been talking about laying whatever you have that's causing conflict, causing problems, just laying it out on the altar. And in that moment, you know, she came down and said, Pastor, I just want to lay my tongue here on the altar. I just want to put my tongue out in here. He said, well, ma'am, there's about 15 feet, but you can give it a try. You know, the reality is, is that your tongue, my tongue, reveals a lot. What did Jesus say? Out of the overflow of the heart, it's like a spring. He said it's like a spring. If it's good, clean, refreshing water coming out of that heart, then you, hey, listen, that's a good indicator. You don't have to be around somebody very long. I don't have to before I can tell you whether they're a believer or not. They just talk different, right? That's what James is saying, you know, he's talking about controlling the tongue. I saw on Facebook um, a young lady, well she's not a young lady, probably about 50, she's young to me, and on Facebook she had put where she had been hurt, And she's a distant family member, and I read that, and I thought, well, I'm going to reach out to her. I felt strongly. So I reached out to her on Facebook Messenger, and I said, I don't know what's happened to you, but I want you to know that I love you. She had lost both of her parents. Her parents were very close to me, but I had not been there like I should for her, and I apologized to her for that. I said, I would not be the man I am today had it not been for your parents. She sent back, she said, first of all, I want you to know it's nothing you've done. And she said, my parents thought the world of you. And she said, the death of my mom to cancer was one of the worst things I've ever gone through. She said, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. She said, our pastor and his family, she said some people didn't like the music, they didn't like the direction of the church, and they began to attack the pastor. Our pastor who had been our pastor for years and said they literally created lies, innuendos, and they destroyed this family. And she said, my family, my children, older children, they were in the praise team, they were in every element of the church. She said, we are so broken. The pastors resigned, the church is in disarray, and all because people who did not like the leadership and the direction literally created and destroyed him. You know what the Bible says to you and I about this? The Bible says that you and I have the ability, everybody listen, to literally destroy, murder a person with it. I counsel people weekly, weekly now, who are suicidal. You know, one of the things people need who are suicidal, they need godly Christian people to use that to begin to give them hope. So James says, listen, a a man or a woman deceives themselves and their religion is worthless if they cannot reign in their tongue. And that's frightening. Because every word, listen, this is what's frightening to me. Every word that comes out of my mouth is recorded by a sovereign God. Every every word, everything that I've ever said, and I don't know about you, but for me as a pastor, that's frightening. That's frightening. Now, he goes on in verse 27, and he talks about true religion. Well, what's true religion? How do I know if I'm really saved or not? Well, first of all, if I'm truly saved, then all I've got to do is listen to what's coming out of my mouth because that's going to tell me a lot about my heart. Now, it's not to say that some things come out of my mouth that I'm not ashamed of, but let me tell you, everybody listen. When a believer says something they know is not in keeping with God's Holy Spirit, in that moment, the Holy Spirit will send up red flags, and immediately that person is not going, Wow, I wish I hadn't have said that. Or later goes, Boy, that's going to come back to haunt me. You know what the believer says? Wait a minute. I should not have said that. That was not right. I was wrong. I want to ask you to forgive me right now. I should have never said that. That was wrong. And you may say, well, what about, hey, it may be, you you said something Friday, you walk into the office tomorrow, you look around or in your peers or among your classmates or on social media, because see, social media has become a place where now we can just unleash all of our hate, bitterness, unforgiveness, prejudice, whatever it is, we just sling it out there. Let me tell you, not only is this going to every word be held accountable, but every word that has come through social media people talk about bullying there's an enormous amount of bullying today on many of the social media venues and one of the biggest problems we have in our courts right now is the liability of people who can literally so bully another individual especially a teenage boy or girl and they go and they take their life Let me tell you something, parent, listen closely. You need to know what's coming out of the mouth of your kids. I sat yesterday, went up to check on my dad who had pneumonia a couple of weeks ago. Jane, his wife, has had pneumonia this past week. Went to check on them, sat across listening to them. But I tell you, my dad and I, we've had some tough conversations through the years. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it. Years ago, when I was in college, my dad owned a store. He had opened a business. Marge, he had all these hopes and dreams of hitting it big. It was a nice little convenience store, sold a little food, and um, him and mom and dad had done this, went to a financial, you know, went out on a financial limb. When I'd come home from college on the weekend, I'd sit in that store and I'd work that store. When I got ready to leave, I'd fill my car up with gas and I'd take 10 or 20 dollars out of the cash register for school or whatever and my justification was instilling from my own dad and mom my thought was well I've earned it and I'll never forget one day young people I'll never forget one day I needed to use this tongue to get something right. And I sat down and I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I have something to tell you. And I said, I'm not proud of it. He said, what is it, son? He said, well, a lot of times I'd work at the store and when i get ready to leave, I'd fill my car up with gas and I'd take money out of the cash register. And I justified it by thinking, you know, I've earned it or it's my right or Whatever. But I could tell by the way that my life was going, the things that were going on in my life, that I needed to say something to my dad. And I'll never forget, I looked at my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he forgave me. You know, sometimes the tongue is something we have to use to confess. Sometimes we have to go to somebody we love and say, You know, I've hurt you. I, I was wrong. I want to ask you to forgive me. What I said was not right. Sometimes we need to use this tongue to encourage and build up people who are discouraged. They're they're down, being bullied. You see, what James was saying was this. He was saying, listen at verse 26 again. If anyone considers himself religious, saved, let's just say it. If anyone considers himself saved, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself or herself, and his saved, his religion, his professing faith is worthless. Wow. Now, verse 27, and I want to be sensitive to time, but I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one thing and then we're, we're going to close in a moment. And I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I, I thought about doing it on a on a on a board and writing it out, but I can't do that. So I'm going to do it by using this podium here. And without turning, there in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, you remember when Jesus was asked how to pray? You remember that? And he said, "Our Father who art in heaven." Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to stop there. I want you to understand your purpose, your life, and why you're here. Okay? So now, Jesus, what Jesus was saying is this we're going to think of this platform here as God's kingdom. This is heaven. So this is heaven. This is God's kingdom up here. And down here is our world. And this is our world system that Satan pretty much controls. And you're going to get a good, probably a good idea of how much he controls it even tomorrow. So this is the world. Now you and I are here. Now what happens when we get saved and I'm just going to use this bottle of water here when we get saved God's kingdom, his holy spirit will represent by this water now comes in here. remember you can tell what what the the out of the mouth what what's coming out of the mouth comes out of what comes out of the heart so it's the heart's like a fountain so when I get Christ, when I get the Holy Spirit now living in my heart, what's coming out of my heart is pure, clean, bubbling brook. It just replenishes and refreshes. Now, here I am, I'm walking around now with a new heart represented by this water. And I'm walking in a, in a dry and thirsty land, and I'm walking in a world controlled by kingdom principles, but it's an evil, ungodly, satanic, wicked kingdom. And so what God tells me to do and what Jesus was saying, hey, the very first thing about prayer is we want that kingdom, the will of God, the will of heaven, that kingdom, we want it here. And so what God's doing is he's using you now. And you're starting to move out in your world with the kingdom principles, with God's kingdom principles. You don't think like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't talk like the world. You're different from the world. You're moving about. And all the while, you're trying to spread God's kingdom into one heart after another. You're, you're in a work environment where people are ungodly, immoral, where their mouths are filthy and dirty. You're in school where a place where people are mean and they bully and they judge you based on what you wear and how you look and where you come from, what house you live in, what car you drive. And, and, but you're, you're go- hey, listen, you've got a different heart. You've got the kingdom of God is no longer just in there. Now it's in here. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're moving around and, and, and you're, you, you, you talk different. You act different. And people sometimes do what Sheila did on a college campus when she looked at a young lady and said to Karen, said, Karen, what is it about you? You have something that I don't have. And we take that kingdom principle everywhere we go. Do you understand that? And listen to what James says in verse 27. Because you may say, well, what does that have to do with verse 27? Listen to what he says. He said, religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans, that's abandoned children, fatherless children. I want you to think about it. You're getting a glimpse into the heart of God. Whether you read Micah, whether you read Zechariah, and whether you read, no matter where you read in the Old Testament, you'll find that God was always concerned about orphans, fatherless children, defenseless children. And watch what he says here. Pure and faultless religion. Now we're talking, hey, everybody look this way. We're talking about how you can know you're truly saved. Is, you, is there something that reigns and works and controls your tongue? And how you talk. And The second thing is how you live out your life. And the brokenness of this world. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless. Pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in what? And their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Wow. So here I am. I'm in a lost, fallen world, and I'm the kingdom of God. How I work is different from how other people work. How I talk is different from how other people talk. And how I treat people is different. When I see people that are victimized by authority, when I see people that are victimized, abused, or whatever it is, I'm an individual that's coming to the defense of those who cannot defend themselves. And that's Strong indication of a converted, changed heart. It's not just how I talk. It's how I live. It's not just how I live. It's how I live when I see broken, hurting people who cannot defend themselves. And that. I close with this. My brother's special needs, you know that. Growing up with a special needs sibling was tough. Uh, I can't tell you. They're still hurt to this day. Some of it anger. Because, you know, young people, I don't know, know, you know, the reality is unless you grew up in this, you don't know. But when you have a brother who, quote, back then they would just say was mentally retarded, would burst out and talk out loud, would behave in a way that in a public place that would draw attention and you know when you're in a family how embarrassing that can be and it would embarrass me and I can remember sometimes feeling so much hurt sometimes wanting to shout in a restaurant my brother has a problem would you people quit staring at us but i also learned this i yeah. learned to defend him i learned that if if my family if we didn't see to him and take care of him and my dad will be 94 his birthday and looks about 20 years younger and i believe that a lot of times god has just simply left my dad here my dad built him a house sitting in front of his house my dad watches over him knows when he leaves when he comes home still taking care of him still watching over him even going on 94 years of age but my dad is taking care of somebody that could be abused and, 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 and attacked or criminal acts could be done or whatever. People could mistreat him. But one day my dad won't be here. One day I may not be here. But boy, it's powerful when somebody is watching out for him because they just have the love of Jesus Christ in their heart and they see him as much their brother as I see him as mine. God says that's what pure, faultless religion looks like. We don't like a bully. We don't like a bully in a uniform. We don't like a criminal that's a bully. We don't like a police officer that's a bully. We don't like Washington bullying us. We don't like the National Health Institute, we don't like nobody. No government agency, no nation, nobody. We don't like bullies, especially when they bully us in a way that causes us to not be able to live out our faith. Pure and faultless religion, wow. Am I there yet? No. But I can tell you this much, I can give you a test. You want to know whether a person's saved and then I'm going to pray. You listen to how they talk and you watch how they act when somebody's being treated in a bad way, an unjust way. You watch them. Gives you a glimpse into the heart. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We give you glory lord as we look to this passage of scripture lord as we're reminded that lord everything that comes out of our mouth will either encourage and edify and build up or lord it can tear down and bring great heartache may moms and dads begin to realize that sometimes they need to say some positive things some good things some encouraging things the mouth of a parent cannot always be used for discipline Sometimes it needs to be used to encourage. But young people realize that sometimes they could say an encouraging word to a parent, to say to a mom or dad who wonders if they're doing anything right, to say to them, mom, dad, I love you and I appreciate you. I want you to know that uh, that I know I think you're doing a good job. I know it's hard. Sometimes children, teenagers, students need to take time to speak encouraging words to their parents. Sometimes grown children need to say to a senior adult mom or dad, I want to thank you for how you lived it out in front of us. Sometimes pastors need to be more encouraging, but sometimes congregations, churches, members need to also remember to encourage their leadership. Lord, may we realize that when we go out into a broken and hurting world, that sometimes there are people that they have no way to stand against the authorities and the powers that be. And sometimes You've put us in strategic places so that we can stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. And Lord, it's in those moments when we are filled with grace and mercy and the love of Christ, and we not only talk it, we live it out, that it's in those moments that we can hear that voice saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're not perfect, Lord. We know that. But our sins have been atoned for and covered. And as far as heaven is concerned, we are justified, fully forgiven, standing in the forgiveness and the finished work of christ but we know on this earth that there are times lord we say things we wish we could take back help us to be more mindful of what comes out of our mouth help us dear lord to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves and forgive us when we don't god we ask you to speak to us now if there's a man or a woman a boy or girl who doesn't know you that bottle of water that I used a moment ago, that clear, pure, clean water that I used to reflect the heart that's been converted, reflecting the kingdom of God, the temple of God's Holy Spirit, reflecting that Holy Spirit. If that is not there, and they realize it today, may they come and receive Christ as their Savior and begin this new journey. Lord, we love You, and we pray this in the name of of Jesus amen amen you come may never be a moment like this moment you come you want to be saved today This is a good day to get saved if you need somebody to pray with you today you come we'll pray with you Russell's here Ledge is here Sheila's here at the front if you want to be saved today you say you know I've watched other people getting saved people being baptized I want to settle it I want to know that I'm saved Come.